the Golden Globe Award, Awards uh, were last Sunday night. Not sure if anybody watched those, but, but I'm not a huge fan of the award shows with movies, but I am a huge fan of movies. It got me thinking about my love for the movies. I don't know about you, but I love to go see a movie. Uh, we love to stay home and, and cuddle up on the couch and watch movies even every Friday night. We have family, Friday family movie night, and we watch dinner and, and watch a movie, watch dinner. We eat dinner, and anyway, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, like, what are you guys doing? We're, we're watching dinner. We don't eat it. We just watch it. Um, but here's the thing. I've, I've noticed that more often than not, uh, the movies that I like best, the ones that really grab a hold of my heart, the ones that I keep thinking about and talking about, they all have one thing in common. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's not that they all have Catherine Zeta-Jones in them, okay? I, I swear. I swear. Although I wouldn't be mad if all of them did star Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, but the films that typically stir my mind that grip my heart, they all have one little phrase in common. One little phrase that kind of pops up before the movie even starts. It seems rather insignificant. You might even miss it if, you, if you're not looking for it or turn away for a moment. But the phrase is simply this, based on a true story. Anybody else impacted more by a movie when you read that phrase, when you know that that's true, when like what's about to happen actually happened? It's just something's different in my mind when I, when I watch the whole storyline progress and unfold. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, Into the Wild. How many of you have ever seen Into the Wild? Not super common. Oh, good. More of you than first service. That's for sure. Um, it's kind of off the radar just a little bit, but it's a great movie. One of my favorites, in fact. It's about a, a guy who's totally disenfranchised with the American dream, not interested at all in that. All he wants to do is just go live by himself out in Alaska. And at the very end of the movie, they show you this picture it's of the real guy in front of the real bus out in the very real Alaskan wilderness. You see what happened in that movie? It, it happened in real life. It's a true story. Or how about the movie Beck and I watched the other night, The Finest Hours. Anybody seen The Finest Hours? Great flick. I would suggest watch it. It's a great story. The U.S. Coast Guard's most daring sea rescue of all time, possibly, back in the 1950s. Amazing what, what one little crew was able to do in one of the worst storms uh, ever recorded. But again, guys, what, what happened in that movie, it, it happened in real life. It's a true story. True story. How about the, the movie that Beck and I saw on our last date night? I'm really romantic, so I took her to see Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, guys. That was, that was a mistake. But anyway, an amazing movie. If you have not seen it, you, you need to. It's a story about Desmond Doss, a World War II fighter who becomes a, a, a hero, one of the greatest war heroes of all time, in fact. And guys, what, what happened in that movie it happened in real life. It's a true story. True story. And the list goes on and on and on. American Sniper, Unbroken, 12 Years a Slave, Schindler's List, The Blind Side. These aren't just movies. These aren't just stories. They are a retelling of real people, real events, real moments, real acts of sacrifice and heroism. I was, I was bringing this up and, and looking for examples this week in the, in the office, and Pastor Nathan is just convinced that Lord of the Rings is a true story. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. But then he said, uh, well, and this, is what I, this is what I said to him. I said, guys, little people with, with really hairy feet, they just don't really exist. And he says, well, what about Ryan? <laughs> it's like, well, touche, touche. Maybe it is a true story. Anyway, sorry. I had to send Ryan a zinger for something else. Anyway, why is that truth, though? Why is that phrase, why are those words so impactful, so important, based on a true story? Why does that matter so much? Well, like I said before, 
those, those words are telling us this is not made up. This is not make-believe. This is real. This is real. This, this happened. And there's a story in the Bible that I want us to read this morning that, that we need to read through the same lens that we have to read with that little phrase popping up beforehand. What we're about to see, true story. All right, true story, Exodus 19. If you have a Bible, turn there now. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you. Let me give you a little bit of background into the story to catch you up and to help you make sense of of what we're going to read. 400 years, for 400 years, God's people have been in captivity and bondage. It's the only existence and form of life they've ever known. They've only known that. Their parents have only known that. Their grandparents have only known that. 400 years of Egyptian slavery. Well, at one point, God hears the cries of his people, and he says, it's time. It's time to go. No more of this captivity. No more slavery. And so they leave. And it's not just a quiet escape out the back door late at night that nobody notices. It's one of the most unbelievable exits of all time. That's why we call it the great exodus. And after leaving Egypt, the people are kind of confused. They're wandering. They've only known this one type of life for so long. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. So God leads them through the wilderness, through the desert, and he leads them to a mountain. The mountain is called Mount Sinai. And it's there on that mountain that something happens. And it's there on that mountain that we're going to pick up the story. But it's on that mountain. Again, I want you to know this. It's a true story. What's about to happen on this mountain? True story. True story. Let's read it together. Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke to the voice, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. Now imagine the scene with me for just a second here. Imagine going over to the base of one of our 14ers or Pikes Peak, whatever it might be. Imagine sitting at the base of that mountain and seeing lightning just crack all around and hearing the thunder almost so deafening all around you. That would be a pretty intense scene all by itself, would it not? Now add to that that the mountain is engulfed in flames. You can see the flames from afar and the smoke is going so high. I mean, it goes all the way to the highest heavens. That'd be a pretty amazing scene all by itself, wouldn't it? Well, now add to that that the fact that the earth, the mountain, is literally moving under your feet. feet, There's an earthquake. It's it's shaking and quaking right there as you're standing on it. Now, that'd be pretty incredible all by itself. Now add to that the fact that this trumpet, the sound of a trumpet is coming from nowhere, but it's getting louder and louder. Someone's just turning the volume up. It's like, what is happening right now? This is not normal. This is not an everyday occurrence. Something, something special, something unique, something powerful is taking place on that mountain. And verse 20 tells us exactly what that something is. It says this, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai. God himself came down to the top of that mountain. Now some people, if you think about it, they just know how to make a, an entrance, don't they? I think of Kramer from those old Seinfeld episodes or the witches from the Wizard of Oz. When they show up, everybody knows. 
Some people know or, or, or make their presence felt and seen and heard. Well, the same is true with the Lord. When he shows up, everybody takes notice. And, and here's why. The God who is descending down on the top of that mountain, it's the same God who created the heavens and the earth in six days, and he didn't even lift a finger in doing it. That's who's up there. The God who is up there on top of that particular mountain, who descended down on that mountain, is the same God who flooded the earth with water and yet orchestrated the salvation of the entire animal kingdom and all of humanity. That God, he's the one up there. The God who's up there, the one who just came down on the top of that mountain, he's the same God who just left or just took a million people out of Egypt through 10 miraculous signs and wonders. That's who just showed up on the mountain. And that's why throughout the story we read these words, and the people trembled. You think? You think? I mean, we get nervous when like a celebrity or a sports star is, is in close proximity to us. Like, oh, I didn't see someone over there. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Some of you, I know, I saw you ladies like swooning over Tebow in that video. Yeah, I saw you. If he was right next to you, you'd be all crazy, Right? Some of us get all nervous. I remember I got nervous when I had to ask my father-in-law for permission to marry his daughter. Some of us get nervous when we go into a boss's office and say we received a better job in another company. Right? We get nervous in those situations, around those people. Imagine being in the presence of God. The people trembled. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. What's even crazier, though, than, than what happened to the mountain, it's who was invited up on the mountain. Verse 20 continues, and the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and he called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So are you following right now? God, big G God, came down, but then he invited Moses up. God came down, and Moses went up. He was invited by God himself to go up, to, to be with God, to stand in his presence, to speak directly with him. And this should overwhelm us. Again, there should be that collective sigh, like, <gasps> really, no way, this is crazy. Because that whole trembling, blazing, smoke-filled mountain, the trumpet blasting, yeah, all of that's happening, and Moses is walking up there. Everybody else had to stay back. Everybody else had to stay behind, but not Moses. He was invited up. And I got to tell you something, church. True story. This is a true story. This happened. Moses was in the presence of God himself. And I love later in the story, it tells us what happened up there on the mountain. Look at Exodus 33, 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. It was up there on that mountain. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This has to be one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. You see, Moses didn't go up there to make a sacrifice and like appease God. He didn't go up there to, to be rebuked by God. He didn't go up there to beg God to listen or to beg God to pay attention to him. He went up there to talk with God as a friend speaks with another friend. I mean, it's almost like you can, you can smell the coffee and you, you can, you can uh, taste the baked goods and you can see them sitting on a couch together just hanging out, conversing with one another. It's a friend talking with another friend. That's what happens up there. And because Moses went up, everything changed after he came down. 
You see, because he went up, everything changed after, after he came down. It was, it was up there on the mountain where Moses received courage and wisdom, where he received instruction and insight. It's up there on the mountain where Moses learns more about who he is, but more importantly, more about who God is. It all happened up there. I mean, Moses is changed by his time up. Let me show you, Exodus 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses' face, it was glowing, and they were afraid to come near to him. See, after Moses went up, everything was different once he came down. He was a different person. I mean, we're not talking here about a bad makeup job or, or a cheesy smile or some like bad tan, right? That's, that's not what happened here to Moses' face. It is glowing. His demeanor is different. The way he looks is different. His very essence is different. Why? Because he went up. Because he's been up with the Lord. It all happened because he went up. He looked different. He spoke different. He walked different. He led different. He prayed different. Why? Because he'd been up. Because he'd been up there. Church, I need, I, need you to, I need you to hear something this morning. If you, have, if you haven't been paying attention this far, like I get it, I understand. We're all thinking about different things like the playoffs and lunch and the weather, whatever. Focus just for a second. You've got to hear this truth. Moses was invited up to be with God. And so have you. So have you. The invitation has been extended to you as well. You don't have to stay put. You don't have to stay down here. You can go up. Look at this passage in Hebrews 12. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. Okay, we're talking about Exodus 19. Right? We're talking about the story we just read. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible, they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, he said, I'm terrified, I'm trembling. This is Exodus 19, right? We just read the story. You haven't been invited up there. That's scary. Nobody else but Moses could go up there. You've been invited somewhere else. Look at this. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless thousands of angels and joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. There's a lot of weird churchy biblical language in there, but you just have to hear it's an invitation up. That's what Hebrews is saying. Moses was invited up to that space. Your invitation is even better. Your invitation doesn't include fire or fear. Your invitation doesn't include trembling or trepidation. Your invitation isn't limited to a certain space at a certain time to a certain person. You've been invited up to be with God all the time. You've been invited to sit in the presence of angels. You've been invited to speak with those who have died and gone on before us. You've been invited to talk face to face with Jesus. You with me? That's what Hebrews is saying. Exodus 19, like, oh, that's crazy. Hebrews 12, wow! That's our invitation? We've been invited up there? An even better invite? An even better place? 
An invitation to encounter God, to experience God. It's a personal invitation. It's a profound invitation. An invitation to hear God, to see God, to be changed by God, to behold the glory of God, to radiate the the goodness of God. That's an invitation we've received. Yeah, you've been invited up. The problem though, church, and it's a problem I think actually started in the church. The problem is that we are content staying down. We are content staying at the base of the mountain. For some reason, we don't go up. I read one author who said it this way, and I couldn't agree more. We'd rather take a selfie with Moses or take a picture of the mountain than actually go up there ourselves. Oh, Moses has been up. Come here, Moses, real fast. Woo! Right? Like, well, look what's happening up there on that mountain. I got I to live feed this one. Whoa, this is awesome. Everybody see this? Whoa! But you're doing all that at the bottom of the mountain. You've been invited up. Too many Christians would rather read a book about God, listen to a podcast about God, sit through a sermon about God, versus actually being with God. What happened then happens now. See, everybody sits back and waits at the base of the mountain, and they wait for the expert, the paid professional. They wait for the senior pastor or the elder or the Bible class teacher. They wait for them to go up. They just kind of sit here, and they twiddle their thumbs, like, okay, when you're coming down, oh, Sunday morning, great, they came down, woo, let's gather together and hear what they heard. Let's listen to what they heard from God, right? They went up, and I'm excited to hear about what happened to them. I'm excited to read some podcast, or listen to some podcast, or read some blog about what happened when somebody else went up, but me, I don't go up. As you're missing out on on the point of it all, you get to go up. You get to go up. Too many of us don't rely on others to tell us about God when we've been invited to actually be with God. But well, we don't go. We, we, just, we just stay put. Now, to be fair, the Israelites in the story of Exodus 19, they could go up. God literally said, you come up here, I'll kill you. Okay, I'll stay put. Well, we don't have that warning. We don't have that threat. We don't have that boundary anymore. They had an excuse. We don't. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the blood that he shared, the sacrifice that he made, the ransom that he paid, because of all of that, every barrier has been removed between us and God. We now get to be with him up there. We don't have to stand back. We don't have to fear. We don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We get to be with God because of what Jesus did. I mean, look at what James 4, 8 says. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. If you wanted a personal invitation up, there it is. Come up here. Get up here. Run up here. Stay up here. Come near to God. Nathan was telling me about the annual Easter egg over at CCU they take their kids to every year. And it's a huge event, thousands of people, a big old field. But they rope the field off. And you've got to stand behind the rope until someone removes it. And you can then move forward and grab all the goodies and the candies. Right? You with me? you got to stand there behind these things. It's like, okay, wait your turn. Like, tick, 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 right? And then eventually someone comes through and they're like, okay, are you ready? Like, happy Easter. Whoa, whoa. And everybody runs out and grabs candy and they push and shove. And it's all like in Jesus' name. Right? It's awesome. Okay. But imagine. Imagine being in that place and being behind one of those barriers or whatnot. And, then, and it being removed and you stay put. Like the rope's gone. Everybody else is running out there having a great time. You're just standing there. Like, no, there, there once was a barrier here, and it's a little weird out there, so I'm just going to stay. I'm just going to stay here. I'm just going to stay. I'm, I'm, I'm happy right here. It doesn't make any sense to me. Go. Go out there. Go grab the candy and the goodies. Go out with everybody else. Go and enjoy this. Go up. 
Go. Every barrier that has stopped you from being with God in the past has been removed. You get to be with him now, right next to him. You get to speak with your maker like one speaks with a friend. You get to do that. You get to go up. But we don't. We, we just don't go up. Here's how I know. I was talking to a group of mature believers the other day, and I was telling them about the series. And one guy has been a Christian his whole adult life. He's in his late 40s. It's like he tells me, honestly, straight face, he's one of the strongest believers I've ever met. But he tells me, eye to eye, Thomas, I'm not sure I've ever been up. I'm not sure I've ever been on the mountain with God. I, I, I couldn't tell you that I really know his voice or feel his presence on a regular basis. And I got to thinking, if he hasn't felt God, if he doesn't go up, then I bet nobody hardly does. That's just crazy to me. Let me ask you some questions to see if this is true for you. When was the last time you really enjoyed deep, meaningful time alone with the Lord? Time so good, like you just didn't want it to end. You didn't, you didn't want to leave. Time so rich, it changed you, right? You went on the top of the mountain like, and you came up the mountain like, oh, when was the last time that happened for you? When was the last time you heard God's voice? Felt his promptings. When was the last time you heard a, heard a word or felt a conviction that was so strong? You're like, I got to do this. I can't stop from doing this. When was the last time you got lost in worship? You felt the Lord's embrace as if it was tangible. You knew he was with you. You knew he loved you. When was the last time you communed with him and, spelt, and you felt like you were talking with a friend face to face? When was the last time that happened for you? When was the last time you went up? Because the American church, and West Bowles included, has done a very poor job of teaching you to go up, encouraging you to go up, challenging you to go up, or equipping you to go up. It's really, it's really about us, right? It's about being here. We'd rather you be here with us, come support us, come volunteer with us, come donate and give to us. But it's not about us. It's about him. And I want you to be with him. Now, I want you to be here, but I really want you to be with him because everything changes when you're with him. It's not necessarily about time at church. It's about time with the Lord. I love that you are here, but you've been created to be up there. Your presence here matters, but his presence in your life matters even more. Are you with me? But churches, they settle. They settle and they focus on people being at church instead of being with God. You listen to the preacher, not to the Father. You sit with the congregation. You don't sit next to Christ. You let the worship leader guide you in praise, not the Holy Spirit, which is crazy to me. We've been invited up, but we stay down. This all became blatantly apparent to me about six months ago. So I'm, I'm reading through and looking over uh, our, our 2020 vision. I think I got the card here somewhere. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, these are the things you put on my heart several years ago for this church. We made cool cards and a video, and, and we worked really hard, banners. You know, we did the whole marketing thing. I started looking over these, these goals, this vision for this church by the year 2020. I started reading through it. Okay, greater attendance, greater levels of giving, greater partnerships with nonprofits, more interns, less debt. And I'm looking at these things, and I honestly feel like the Lord asked me in that moment, Thomas, are these goals about you, or are they about me? He honestly asked me in that moment, are you more interested in getting people to West Bowls than getting people before the throne? 
Is that, is that what you're working so hard to do? And then he, then he posed this little question. This was a doozy. Thomas, if you reach every single one of your goals for the year 2020, is anybody in your church closer to Christ? Well, Lord, we're going to have more people here. That doesn't mean any of them are close to Christ. But, Lord, we're going to have much less debt in the church, but that doesn't mean anybody's closer to Christ. We're going to, we're going to be partnering with so many more missions uh, opportunities and nonprofit groups, but that still doesn't mean anybody's closer to Christ. But more interns, yeah, interns are never close to Christ. I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, Lord, you're right. The answer to your question, do, do, th- does my vision for this church mean greater intimacy for the flock with you? The answer is no. And I'm sorry, church. That was so silly. More, more people on Sundays, more money in the bank, more mission trips on the calendar, more nonprofits in the building. Those are good things, but none of those require you to go up. None of those mean that any of you have actually been up. And what a disservice I'm doing to you. I've fallen into a trap And it's a trap that other pastors have fallen into, but it's simply this, that success for the church means that people show up, listen up, and pay up. And all of a sudden, West Bowles is a great church when more people show up, listen up, and pay up. It doesn't matter at all to me. I want you to go up. I want you to be up there with him. And if it's five people, great. If it's 5,000 people, even better. If we've got to do it outside in the grass because we can't pay our bills, so be it. I want you to be up. I don't want it to be about people showing up, listening up, and paying up. I want you to go up. The vision we had for this church, it was all about this church when it should have been all about you and your relationship with the Father, your connection to your God. I ran into someone uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they, you know, I'm, I'm like processing all this stuff and wrestling with it, and so they just got in the way, basically. They came up, and they're like, so, how's your 2020 vision going? Is the church growing? And it was like, I wanted to grab them by the neck, be like, what are you, it doesn't matter! Are we growing? I don't care if we're growing. Are you growing? Do you feel like you're closer to Christ now than you were before? You feel like the Holy Spirit is moving and empowering and, 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 and bringing fruit in your life more than he was before? Is your worship more heartfelt? Are your words more true? Are you experiencing his voice, seeing his presence, reflecting his glory? It's about you, man. I don't care if the church is growing. Now, I didn't yell at them and I didn't lift them up. I wanted to maintain their friendship. But So if you were that person, I'm sorry now. Oops. But you see, God's heart, God's hope for this place, for you, it's so much wilder. And so much better than making this church bigger. Like, that's, that's why Jesus died? So that an organization could grow? So that a bank account could have more money in it? So more nonprofits could have partnership? That's why Jesus went to the cross? I feel like you could achieve those things without killing the Son of God. Why did he die? He died so you could go directly to the Father, so you could be in his presence every moment. See, sin separated you. Our our hatred for God, our hatred for truth, our hatred for the light, it separated us from the source of all that is good. And Jesus died so you could get back to that place. So like next week we're going to talk about Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the garden. That's the goal. The goal isn't for a bigger church, a bigger budget, more interest. The goal is for you to be with God. And everything I do from here on out is going to be designed to get you with God. That's all I care about is that you go up. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, we as a staff, and we want to be in your life, right? We want this church to be a part of it. 
It's just crazy, showing up, listening up, and, and paying up. I'm sure when you saw this form, you weren't like, yes, that's why I gave my life to Jesus. So you could grow. So we could have interns. So you could open up a campus. So you could plant church. I don't really care about that. You gave your life to Christ because there was a new life introduced to you, a life in communion with God. And my goal as a pastor is to help you commune with your God. And I hope it happens here Sundays. Like I said, this church wants to be a part of your equation, part of your faith journey. The staff is here. But here's the thing. We don't know what's going on in your head. We don't know what's going on in your wife's head. We don't know what's going on in your kid's head. We don't know what's going on in your boss's head. We can't speak into every moment and every situation and every dilemma and every temptation. We can't speak into all of that for you. But there is one who can. God knows exactly what's going on up here. He knows exactly what the problem is in your marriage. He knows exactly what the problems are with your finances. He knows exactly what's holding you back in this life. He knows. He formed and fashioned your heart. He knows your innermost thoughts. When you wake and when you lie down, he is with you. Why don't you go be with him? Why don't you talk to him? Why don't you spend more time with him? Because he has the answers you're looking for. I heard Joyce Meyer say this last week and it got me thinking. She says, we run to the phone why don't we run to the throne? We're not with God enough. We're just not. But he's the one who always has what we need, what we're looking for. And so we've got to go up. We've got to go up. None of this happens at the base of the mountain, right? None of it happens from afar. Revelation eleven twelve. I heard a strong voice from heaven calling, come up here. And it says the people went. That's my hope and my prayer for West Balls, that we would hear the invitation, come up here. And the people would go. You don't got to stay at the base of the mountain. You can go up. You don't have to just hear about God from other people. You can go up. In fact, you've been created to go up. You've been called to go up. Everything you long for, everything you hope for, everything you want and need, it's up there. It's with him. So this series, we're going we're to do a lot of different things. We're going to talk about why we don't go up, what's holding us back. We're talking about barriers that we face and obstacles. And yes, snotty, screaming, sick toddlers, they are an obstacle. They're on the list, right? We're going to talk about what you do when you're up there. It's scary. Like, how do you spend your time? We're going to talk about what worship and confession and, and prayer looks like when you're up. We're going to talk about what it means to hear the Lord's voice when you're up there. We're going to talk about what it means to, to put into practice what you hear when you come down. We're going to talk about prioritizing him, resting in him, seeing him when you're up there. My vision for this church, it's not to grow the church, whatever. Again, if we don't meet budget, like whatever, we'll figure it out. My goal is for you to be up on the mountaintop with God. Because you see, a neighbor asked me a couple of, of years ago, it stuck with me ever since, and, and it killed me. But, but it's haunted me, this question's haunted me ever since. And the question is simply this, Thomas, like we ran into each other outside the house, or whatever, like checking the mail, and he's like, Thomas, is the purpose of the church to gather people to fulfill her mission? Or is the purpose of church to strengthen people to go out and fulfill their mission? And he's like, oh, and here's your mail, by the way. And then he walked off, and I'm like, <gasps> what just happened? Is the purpose of the church to, for you to come here to fulfill this? That's the purpose of the church. Or is the purpose of the church to strengthen you, to empower you, to motivate you, to love you, to serve you, so that you can go out and carry your own one of these around? Because you have one. You have a mission field and opportunities and unique, unique relationships that nobody else has. You have a, a vision 
God has a vision for your life. And I want to I want to support you in carrying out that vision. And if it has nothing to do with West Bowls, then so be it. I just want you to go up and then to come down and do what you got to do. So I'm excited. I'm a little little anxious, a little worried, a little worked up. You can see. Sorry about that. But anyway, uh, my hope, my goal is that we go up, that we hear the invitation, that we go up. And here's the best part, church. Here's the best part. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. We're going to sing together now. Uh, each week, we're going to spend some time in prayer together, in, in longer sets of worship together, in some silence. We've got to model this stuff. We've got to still our hearts and minds and, and be up here. That's the, that's the beautiful thing about up. Is it's not a physical place. Being up with God can happen in the car. It can happen uh, in your prayer closet. It can happen at work. It can happen when you're taking a run. It can happen at the gym. Being up now is a relational presence thing. And so I'm excited about that. But, but here's the best part of the whole thing. True story. It's based on a true story, man. This whole idea like sitting with God and talking face to face with him and, and being changed by him and hearing his voice and, and feeling his spirit and being led by his power. True story. It really happened, which means it can really happen for us as well. That's the hope and prayer. So I'm gonna pray for us right now and then we're gonna enter into about 10 minutes more of praise. Uh, I, just, I just hope that this time, even now, is an opportunity for you to be with him up on that mountain. Let's pray. God, we are so incredibly grateful for the invitation. Wow. I mean, Moses had this unique opportunity that nobody else ever had, that he got to see your face and speak with you face to face, God. Everybody else, I'm sure, was so jealous of that and, and looked longingly on that opportunity and that invitation, Lord, but only he received it. But because of what Jesus did, Lord, that invitation has now been extended to every single one of us. Every barrier, every obstacle, every roadblock that was in our way to be with you, it's been removed. We're now perfect and holy we don't get to stand in your presence without being consumed. And we're so excited about that, God. And I just want us to go up. I want this church to be all about living in your presence. Because in your presence, Lord, the scripture says, our pleasures forevermore. And not like goodie bags, like TVs and, and, and like iPads or whatever, God. Not those kind of pleasures. But joy and peace and rest and purpose and happiness, God. Those things are in your presence. And because we're not in your presence, we don't have those things. Yet we need them, we, we long for them, we, we, we want them so badly. And so we ask that you will help us to go up. We pray over the next 10 minutes, Lord. This is a, a holy space and a holy moment and that each of us encounters you and experiences you in a fresh way. And that you will use this series in whatever way you can, God, to help us climb that mountain. Because it is hard at times, Lord. It does take time, it does take discipline, it does take effort at times to be with you. But now we pray that we will, we will do all those things. We will make the effort, we will go the extra mile, we will, we will do what it takes to be in your presence, that we will be up with you. Make it so now. Be with us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.